You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Well, after a one-year hiatus, uh, we are very excited to resume our podcast, The Innovators Behind Disruption. My name is Raj Lala. I'm the CEO of Evolve. Obviously, a lot has changed in the last year. But on the bright side, it's been very busy for us here at Evolve. In fact, we've almost tripled our assets under management over the last 12 months, currently managing just over $1.7 billion. We couldn't ask for a better guest uh, for our reboot, uh, Anthony Diorio. For those of you not too familiar with Anthony, he's one of the co-founders of Ether. Uh, and yes, Ether does have some Canadian roots. And currently, Anthony runs a company called Decentral, which he's going to be talking about today. Anthony, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So you and I met a few years ago, and I believe you were just getting Decentral off the ground. Um, so maybe we could start there and you can talk a little bit about Decentral, what it does, and what your role is within the company. Sure. Well, actually, Decentral has been around since 2014. Uh, so I think that's, uh, we met a few years ago. I don't think it was that long ago, though. I, I don't think. It was but, 40, maybe 2017 we met. So maybe yeah. it already for a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Decentral came about as a physical location to house um, projects around decentralized technologies. So it was a phys physical hub and it was it came out of the need to have a place for my meetup groups to meet. I started the Toronto Bitcoin meetup group back in 2012 and used to, to do it at, at wherever we could find a venue. So we would do it at some bars, but it just was always difficult to get the right scheduling for that. So um, we would also, I would at the same time, we would meet in coffee shops, those that were passionate about it. And we just had some great conversations and it's, it, was, it was amazing. I saw that bringing people together, the ideas were really flourishing and, and growing. So. The idea came to have a physical place that I could house the meetups and I could house some uh, some projects and uh, have my own businesses there. And I I, uh, I rented a, a a place at King and Spadina in downtown Toronto, and uh, proceeded to to become a hub for all things around Bitcoin and all things around decentralized tech. And that's where my businesses came out of. And I've been building wallets in the cryptocurrency space for uh, even before then. Uh, and uh, it coincided at the same time that I was uh, opening the doors to, to Decentral and uh, at the time called Bitcoin Decentral, it coincided with the same time that we were starting uh, Ethereum. And that became the first home of Ethereum and, and uh, became the first hub. And uh, that's where the initial uh, team was, 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 was launched from. And, and uh, uh, then uh, it changed over to the term of the name Decentral, I got rid of the Bitcoin in front of it because we were now involved in other things aside from just Bitcoin and, and Decentral has been my company since and, and our whole mission is to empower people with the tools to, to put them in control of their digital lives, their, communica their communications, their identity and their money is something that I believe should all be held by the individual and uh, decentralized technologies and protocols that have been coming out are helping to facilitate that. So I build the the interfaces, the backend infrastructure, all of the tools that the internet needs to get the, the internet off the ground, the browser, the cloud services. I've, I've mimicked what was needed there to do the same thing for the whole decentralized movement. So I build wallets, which is the equivalent to the browser. It's the way that people navigate cryptocurrencies. I build the, uh, the infrastructure to connect to all the decentralized protocols, such as uh, related to cloud services, very similar type of aspect. 
And then partnerships is kind of like the app stores. So we put all the things together that uh, were that were needed for the decentralized tech space, and that's what I've been building for about uh, seven, eight years. So what's the target audience for Decentral? Do you have a defined audience or is it anybody? Yeah, I, I've always said I build for my dad. So I build for the people, the 99% of the population that are curious about crypto, but uh, really need the assistance and the help with the tools in order to navigate that space. So our market is not necessarily the crypto folk. It's the the average person that uh, needs everything in one place to understand, to help manage and secure their crypto, uh, to, to be able to have services that our partners have, such as buying and trading, everything in one place to, to provide knowledge and the tools that the average everyday person can start navigating the space. And it's, it's, it's a similar to, you know, you have a web browser when the internet came out. Before that, the average person isn't going to be able to, to navigate a command line system or something like that. So the user interfaces, the structure, the tools, the knowledge is what we've been, been building. And it's generally for the average person. And I always say the average person like my dad. Got it. So I know you got really interested in computers at a very young age. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background, how you grew up and how you got into this whole world of, uh, of crypto. Sure. I was... Uh... My dad, who used to work for IBM back in the day, amongst many other things, he brought home an IBM PC Junior in the early 80s. So I grew up, I was born in 75, and I grew up at the time of the dawn of the personal computing, computing age. So that was my real first passion was, was computers from a very early age. And I started building computers, going to computer camp. Uh, my first job was networking uh, for a family friend who did computer systems uh, for schools. So uh, computers has since very early on has been my, my major passion. Um, three things really, books, sports, and, and computers were really the, the three things for me. So growing up, I was always the computer guy. Um, I didn't want to go to school for computers. I felt I, I, my dad was an entrepreneur. My dad's an inventor, creator, um, and uh, I went into school for business. So computers was always something of a passion of mine, but entrepreneurship uh, was, was where my mind was at for that. And, uh, over the years, before the internet came about, I was on modems, connect, communicating with other computers before the internet came. And then when the internet emerged, I was going through university. So I was really um, not equipped to, to utilize that, that, that space to really uh, flourish an opportunity. I was still learning the ropes and it takes time to gain the business knowledge and gain the different things in order to start businesses and be able to add value to a certain space. So I did that for a while. I, I then joined a family business and I did marketing. Um, even before the family business, I was a marketing director for a while. That's what I, I graduated with with the school was in marketing. I then worked in the family business, which was sliding patio door manufacturing, learned a lot of aspects of, of that space. Um, had some, some properties that I owned, uh, rental properties uh, between 2005 and 2010. That's where I got some capital when I sold those in 2010. 2009, 2010, 2011, I took a lot of time to study economics and what had happened in the world, especially in the U.S. with the housing crisis and the financial crisis. Learned about the Austrian School of Economics, a kind of different way of thinking about economics that's more about sound money, uh, more about creating value. Uh, I was always a big fan of personal freedom. I never liked to be told what to do. I never liked really much school. Um, so in 2012, uh, my culmination of technology background and entrepreneurship and economics, it was a perfect storm when I heard about Bitcoin uh, then and saw it as a tool and the technology to empower people to be in control of their lives. It was really the right time for me to, to, to dive in headfirst 
after studying Bitcoin for quite a while and realizing it was the path for me and that this was going to be technology that would be more important than the internet because the opportunity to now um, be able to democratize value and send value through the internet rather than just information. And something like Bitcoin is so great because it solved the problem of having a digital asset that you couldn't make a copy of. And that was really the breakthrough that I saw. It was before Bitcoin, anything digital could be copied. And the properties of money dictate that scarcity is one of the core elements of that. So to have something that you could always copy didn't make sense for digital money. But Bitcoin solved that problem. And I saw where this could potentially lead. And after weeks of, of delving into it, I looked for a community in Toronto and there wasn't one. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to, to, to start the community. And as I mentioned, I started the Toronto Bitcoin Meetup Group. And then I started the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada, which was a nonprofit uh, a national organization to help um, spread the word of what this could do for Canada and to work with the media and to work with governance. And uh, shortly after, I started building wallets, which was the I recognized as the interface that people would need to navigate the space. So I started building that. And then Ethereum came about and, and I, I put my money into the project and became the first investor there. And uh, since then, just focused on continuing to build the tools that can get in new business models that can 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 create a change because I believe that the the incentive structures of maximizing shareholder returns is really one of the largest problems the world has and it leads to a degradation of planet and people and I believe the the models of selling personal information or people giving up their personal information or I believe that the advertiser model which is trying to get users to go down a particular path in order to appease uh, advertisers and it's leading to a lot of people uh, unsuspectedly doing things that they're not aware they're doing and getting into a very uh, dark world of, of tribalism and fake news spreading which is kind of taking advantage of unsophisticated people that are believing what they're reading online and it's usually because there's an advertiser at the end game that wants you to do something i believe right. those are really big issues in my products we we don't collect user information again i, I mentioned that users should be in control of their digital lives, including their, their information. So uh, we don't require any personal information. We don't have an advertising model uh, in our thing. We build partnerships and we monetize when our partners uh, are, 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 are doing well. So these are, these are my principles that we've had for about eight years. And you can see what's happened with some of these models that have, that have come about that have led to issues. And we're seeing Facebook and Google and a bunch of others dealing with these situations of that's how they've made money, and, but it leads to problems. And any situation where you're not sufficing as close to 100% of the population is going to create uh, people that aren't for what you're doing and it's going to create issues. So I always try to identify stakeholders and see how we can create wins for everybody in there so that everybody can be on board with what you're doing and everybody feel that, that you're creating a win for them. And I believe when everybody's on your side, you can create movements because people realize that when you're doing something that creates a win for them, including your competitors, including people you wouldn't necessarily think you're there to help, if you can help everybody, and use problem-solving capabilities, which I think is my strongest my strongest ability. Uh, that that there's some new ways of doing things that are going to be figured out. So that's what I've done with my business. I, I'm I'm I can say that I'm I'm good at seeing things well before they happen and getting ahead of the curve with stuff. So now my goal is to is to keep working building out our user base for Jax, which is our flagship product for Decentral. We're in 220 countries, our users right now, uh, and my goal is to is to sell in the future. And then take that capital and then my, my full focus is going to be on philanthropy in the future. Anything I do moving forward is going to be about 
using my capital to be able to give back and be of service because that's what I figured out is, is what I want to want to do and it's because it makes me happy and I'm going to use my problem solving methodologies that I've been able to develop to to carry that out. So you, you brought up a couple of interesting points that I just want to um, uh, expand on uh, a little bit. I know that uh, privacy is is very important uh, for for individuals. As an extension of that, um, what are your thoughts on the entire antitrust movement with the big tech companies uh, in the U.S.? Do you think, uh, for example, that these companies should get broken up uh, or will get broken up? Do you think it's advantageous uh, to us as consumers? Uh, or do you think that uh, this is never going to happen under the uh, Biden administration? So, you know, you said that privacy is important to everybody. I don't think it is. I think that there's a there's some people that don't care and there's some people that do and there's a lot in the middle. Uh, one thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a binary person. I think there's a lot of gray areas. I work on everything but percentages. So it's never black and white for me. Um, right down to regulations and should there be regulations, should there not be regulations, should they break this up, should they not break it up. Um, there's a percentage of me that can see the light on both sides of that. And I like to kind of uh, understand both sides of it. And I'm not a person that's going to be adamantly involved on one side or the other on those things. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I do believe the business models are uh, that that uh, that 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 uh, profit companies utilize have been done because they haven't figured out a way to think uh, better or to to problem solve new ways of thinking that maybe are, 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 are closer to satisfying 100% of the population. So I believe they're deficient models and the deficient models have led to this type of, uh, of, of recourse by governments and regulators to say, you know, what you're doing is causing harm. Mm -hmm. And, and um, we need to now step in because the harm that's being created from your business models is leading to issues and people are, 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 are um, information is being exposed. If people's, um, People are, are being led to do things uh, that they might, might necessarily know they're doing because of your platforms uh, pushing out fake information, false information. Um, I though also believe in open markets and I believe in private companies should be able to do as, as they please, as long as they're not harming people. If they are harming people, then they're gonna have to be, there's gonna be pushback uh, by, by the public, their users. So I, I'm not sure where it's gonna go. Um, I don't have a, a, an opinion of me feeling on one side, the other I can definitively say, I'm for or against what should happen there. Uh, my role would be more to develop uh, better business models that right. create winning situations for all stakeholders involved, and then be able to present those those winning situations or new ways of looking at things to private companies and suggest to them, if you do it this way, you're going to have a better result. And there's not going to be anybody against you because I always try to identify all the stakeholders in the mix when I'm solving a problem and government would be one of the stakeholders, the general public would be stakeholders, the companies are going to be stakeholders, the user. I put a whole list of stakeholders together and then I work in order to come up with a situation that there's win, 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 win across the board. And I use my models to solve problems, which I've got a paper coming out very soon about how I solve problems, the methodology, the principles that I use, the processes I use to do that. So I would say my more role of here is not to say what's going to happen. It's what can I bring to the table to show a better situation that's going to present a win situation that private companies could utilize that aren't going to get the backlash uh, that they've got because their models are deficient and they're causing the trouble that that is surfacing for them. Right. Um, one more point to, to, to go back that I wanted to expand on. You mentioned that you were one of, if not the first investor into Ether. What was it about Ether that caught your attention back then? And 
has it, I mean, obviously the adoption has changed in the last uh, few years, but has it changed as a, as a concept at all in your mind over the last few years? Yeah, well, it, and it's, it's Ethereum. It's not a, it's not a yeah, Ether's right. the queen of Ethereum. Ethereum is the protocol for Ethereum is the project. Um, what's changed my mind? So when we started Ethereum, everything was Bitcoin. It was all Bitcoin. And when we did Ethereum, it opened the eye, my eyes to, wow, this isn't just going to be about creating change and evolution in finance. There's going to be every sector is going to be, uh, going to be touched here because of smart contracts, which we introduced uh, with Ethereum, which was really the breakthrough there. It was, it was taking a platform like Bitcoin and creating a smart contract platform that executes code based on data fed into it. And that was the breakthrough there. You could have any contract that would, uh, for example, an insurance contract that could automatically play out policyholders if a certain amount of rain fell. And it would really uh, remove a lot of the non-value added participants in the equation there. So it really opened my eyes to something beyond Bitcoin. And then since Ethereum, I'm, a, I'm an inclusive person that's uh, in no way a maximalist around one particular technology. So I've supported dozens and, and hundreds of projects uh, based on what we do with our wallets. So I'm, I like to see uh, innovation. I'd like to see um, competition. I'd like to see challenges. So I'm all for many different technologies and, and I see Ethereum as a, a first mover in its space. I see a number of other projects that are coming in that, that might challenge uh, it as the number two um, the number two protocol behind behind Bitcoin, but I'm also very optimistic that the Ethereum community is very passionate. A lot of great developers, a lot of great minds behind it, and I'm rooting for it. But rooting for many of the others as well, and whatever brings better value to to the people and solves problems. And so broadly on cryptocurrencies, what do you think is necessary to happen in order to increase not just the growth but the adoption of them? Um, better education, better user experiences. Uh, making, uh, allowing customers to still be in control of their assets, uh, but, all, but, but ensuring that they're not going to feel that, that they can lose them because um, they're, they're, they're in control. Uh, it's all about, to me, crypto is about being your own bank. It's putting yourself in control of your life, but there's also the responsibility that goes along with it. And it's the responsibility of the developers and the, the companies to build experiences that give people the comfort that when they're in it, they feel safe. There's a lot of scams that happen uh, because of the nature of Bitcoin and, and crypto um, not being a reversible transactions uh, and the anonymity of, of it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that are causing harm uh, to new entrants to the market and they're getting scammed. And that's always going to have a, a hindrance to, to new people picking up the technology. But I believe innovation is going to take over and it's, and it's taking over. We've come such a far, a long way, even though it's been a long time, almost been 10 years that Bitcoin's been out. Um, it takes some time to get the paths and the infrastructure all set up, but I'm very confident that the whole space is going to be growing and there's a lot of good hands that it's in for people that are creating evolution or, or creating innovation that are going to improve people's lives and make things super faster and better and give people more more control and more opportunity to, um, to, to control their lives and, and not pass their digital lives over to third parties. Right. So... Um, talk a little bit about, I just want to talk a little bit about Bitcoin and then we can move on to a couple of other things before we close off. Uh, there, we, what we've seen with Bitcoin is there's a lot of arguments in terms of, you know, it's a, it's a uncorrelated asset class. It's a good store of value, maybe alternative to gold or cash positions. But now we're also starting to see companies looking at Bitcoin for transactional purposes. So you saw uh, uh, Elon Musk tweeted out last week that you can now start buying Teslas with Bitcoin. But 
effectively, I mean, with the volatility of Bitcoin, the challenge becomes for a, for a, for a transaction that you ultimately need to peg it back to the US dollar. Because I believe what he's going to be doing or what Tesla is going to be doing is saying at that time uh, that you want to process the transaction, you have the short window to process it based on this number of Bitcoin translated back to the US dollar cost or, or, or price of the car. Do you agree with that use of Bitcoin from a transactional perspective? Do you think that we are going to see wider and wider adoption of cryptocurrencies, maybe not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies for transactional purposes? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, I mean, it's, it's since day one, people have used it for transactions. Uh, I, I bought pretty much everything you can possibly think of over the years with, with Bitcoin, including uh, flights, including computers. So it's nothing new to have it as, as a transaction. Uh, many years ago, there was a big surge of companies uh, from, from um, uh, you know, Tiger Direct and, and, and uh, Dell, a number, number of computer number did, did use it. But then when Bitcoin kind of goes through its, its uh, rough patches uh, and people aren't using it as transaction, they'll drop it because of the thing. But I do think more and more people will start using it. And it, it doesn't have an issue, I don't think, with the volatility because the, the companies that, that accept Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies have the ability to convert it out at that time whenever they want to whatever currency they want. So if they don't want to take on the risk of holding it because they're afraid it's going to go down in value, um, they can decide what percentage they'd like to do, 100%, 5%. It's up to them. They have the choice and their services out there that will enable them to not have to take the risk uh, with the fluctuating value of it. So it's up to that company to decide, wait a sec, will it hold, up, hold its value? So maybe we'll put a certain percentage and keep it in Bitcoin and hold it over time. And those that do believe the value and the scarcity are, are going to drive the price up. And as more people are using it, it will go up. But there is that option. So there's, I don't see any concern with accepting crypto uh, as payments because there really is no risk and you can decide if you want to hold it or convert it to whatever currency you want right when the transaction is done. Right, great. Um, off of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, although this might tie back in, but over the next few years, what do you see to be maybe two or three of the top disruptive themes uh, in our world? Um, my passion is uh, is changing the incentive structures of the world from maximizing shareholder returns to maximizing positive impact and creating wins for all. And I've got a plan and path to do that. So impact work that showcases the more you're doing and being of service for others, the better you're going to get what you want. And I think that can apply to any brand out there, anybody that 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 uh, maybe um, the models that 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 are that are being done can sometimes lead to uh, higher profits, but at what expense? And I think it's it's that movement that's happening, and uh, what my models I'm, I want to bring forward to the world are that in order to get what you want to maximize your shareholder returns, the more you can do good for the larger percent of the population is going to give you that uh, in spades. So I'm my, and my passion is to present a new project which I'm, I'm planning on doing in the next while, which carries out and and brings to light that that methodology and that framework that does state that. Uh, if you're just looking to maximize your shareholder returns, uh, your, your models generally are going to be deficient unless you're recognizing that the more you're doing good to solve problems and help people and be of service to people, that's really going to get what you want. And, and my program I have coming out is is, is going to strive to to attain that and show people there's a better way to do things that everybody's going to be a winner on. Great. Um, personal question. Uh, who have been the three most influential people in your life? Three is difficult. Um, I'd say uh, I'm going to give two of them to my parents. Okay. And 
I think if I have to pick who was one that, I, that I'd like to really model after what I do and what it would probably be Mr. Rogers. So his ability to speak to children and uh, his ability to, to, to. I thought for a sec you were talking about Ted Rogers. No, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Mr. Yeah. Rogers' neighborhood. Yes. I, I just um, think he, he understood the, uh, he understood children and understood how to speak to them how to uh, explain things that they would have difficulty understanding in a calm fashion. Um, I think it, it's the, uh, a lot of, of what, what's brought to kids right now is all based, is, is a lot based on, if you look at cartoons or look at shows, it's just about action, action, action. And, 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 and he brought such a, a calmness and an understanding to children and what they needed and had such a instrumental role in, in public television in order to bring that across. So, um, that's what I would like to 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 be. I think I think getting to the youth and getting to the young children with models and, and problem solving. I I'm, I think I think we need more problem solvers. I think that's the greatest thing that the world is missing is problem solvers. And my my objective is to take my models of what I've done and, and really get them to to the youth uh, and showcase, especially here in Canada, um, that that we can build problem solvers. And once you have problem solvers that are doing things. Um, to be of service to others, I think we'll have an opportunity in any country that does that, we'll have an opportunity to, to flourish and thrive and then be able to take that information and what you've figured out and take it out to the rest of the world. So yeah, I'd say he's, he's, he, he would be one of the three and I got to go with both of my parents for the others. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one, the, the concept behind a Mr. Rogers, right? I mean, it's, it, there, there, there's a gap of simplification that's in this world right now and, and just as importantly, a gap of relatability. And I think he was able to do both of those things um, uh, for people, even though he was, you know, 60 years older than his, his audience that he was uh, speaking to. So it's a, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, yeah. Favorite couple of podcasts that you've been listening to these days? Uh, there's one called the Knowledge Podcast that I was just on recently. It's a, it's a friend of mine that puts it out where he uh, seeks out leaders and seeks out people that uh, he believes uh, can, can, can showcase what leadership is and, and people that have excelled in, in their spaces. And uh, um, that's one that I really enjoyed being on. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a few others that I could probably mention. The, I was on the Pomp, the Pomp podcast recently. I, I enjoyed that. But there's also Farnham Street. Uh, it's the Knowledge, the Knowledge Project. Um, and that's another one out of, out of Ottawa. So there's two, the, the, um, uh, the Behind Greatness, the one that I mentioned, uh, and, and the, uh, the Knowledge Project is, is two both from Canadians that, that I think have amazing guests on. And, uh, and, and those are two that I, that I listen to quite frequently. Great. Well, listen, Anthony, thanks so much for your time today. If anybody wants more information on Decentral, where should they go? Um, decentral.ca is good. Um, there's, it's hard to find me kind of out there. I have Twitter or something that I, that I, that I use and it's, uh, at Diorio Anthony, D-I-I-O-R-I-O-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y is, is my, my Twitter handle. Great. Thank you very much for your contribution to Canadian leadership. Really appreciate it. And thanks for your time today. Thanks a lot, Raj. Thank you for listening to the Evolve ETFs podcast. If you like this podcast, please like this post. Subscribe to this channel by clicking on the subscribe button. Ensure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting our website, EvolveETFs.com. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.